You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you as we continue our staycation series. It's the last Sunday in the staycation series. There's a time uh, for conviction and there's a time for, for difficult work. And there's also a time, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. There's also a time to... Take a break, breathe, to have a moment of Sabbath. So we've been looking at uh, how vacations, or staycations as it were, uh, if, if travel is limited, uh, if you're unable to go, a vacation or staycation, how that serves as a metaphor for the journey of discipleship. You know, in the first week we talked about how Jesus sent out the 70, and it's a really easy trip to pack for, because Jesus said, don't take anything with you. No purse, no bag, no sandals. Uh, don't take anything with you. It was a journey in which the, the apostles, those who were sent out, had to rely on the hospitality of others. They had to be dependent upon the hospitality that re they received. And they had to announce that the kingdom of God was at hand, whether or not they were welcomed. And if they weren't welcomed, what did they do? They, they shook the dust off of their feet and they kept moving then we talked about different vacation destinations. Uh, some people are beach people. Some people are mountain people. And the point of that, even though God's story revolves around mountains mostly, it was a, a message about finding the means by which we connect with God. Sometimes it's on the top of a mountain. Sometimes it is on the lake shore. And the point is to recognize that God is always with us. At least that's the goal, is to recognize that God is right here where we are, or where we learned from the Elijah story, God is closer to us than even our own silence. God is there. And last week we talked about uh, vacation not as a means of getting away, but as a means of transformation, a means of learning. The Apostle Paul had this powerful experience on the road to Damascus, but he didn't immediately start planting churches and preaching. He spent three years away in Arabia. Because he needed time to reassess his life, time to reassess his understanding of faith and salvation, time to reassess what God was calling him to do. And we talked about that, that great line near the end of Children of Eden, <clears throat> fantastic musical. We cannot know what will occur, just make our journey worth the taking and pray we are wiser than we were in the beginning. But today we talk about going home. <laughs> uh, the vacation has been nice. The staycation has been lovely. But you have to go home. Right? Right? Our scripture lesson uh, comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 8th chapter, beginning with verse 26. It'll be on the screens. It's also online for those of you who are joining us on Facebook Live. And it's also in your Bible. You can open that too. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. 
For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would not break the bonds, and he would be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now, there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone in, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all of the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So Jesus got into a boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There are a lot of ways that we can parse out this parable. There's lots of lessons. There are lots of sermons. I won't give them all uh, today. There are lots of sermons in this one text. We could talk about Jesus going to the other side of the lake and how Jesus calls us to go out of ourselves and to be among those whom maybe society calls Samaritans or Gerasenes, the other, the Gentiles of the community. It's an important lesson. We could talk about Jesus's power and Jesus's words, Jesus's healing and how words are powerful. And the words that we use, we should use with great care. That's a good sermon. That's a good lesson. (coughs) Excuse me. We could also talk about economy uh, because Jesus sent the demons, uh, or the demon, the demons, uh, into uh, the pigs and the pigs jumped off of a cliff. And if you're a swine herder, that's a bad day at the office. You've lost all of your product there. And sometimes Jesus messes with our economy, but Jesus messes with our economy for our own good and our own health. That's a fine sermon. We could talk about that. We could talk about how the people should be rejoicing because of the miracle that they had seen uh, in Jesus, but they were seized with fear. And they actually asked Jesus to leave them alone. We don't want you here. We've lost all of our inventory. That crazy man who used to live in the cemetery is now clothed and in his right mind. We're not sure what to do with this. We need you to leave. Lots of sermons here in this text. We could do a whole sermon series on the land of the Gerasenes, one of the cities of the Decapolis in the ancient world. 
But today we're going to focus on the very end of it. I, I find this fascinating, and, and I think, I believe, uh, this is the only story in the Gospels where someone asked to follow Jesus, and Jesus said no. Now, there were those who didn't follow Jesus. There were those who turned away and could not remain. There were some, like, for example, uh, James and John's father, his name was Zebedee, when, James, when Jesus said, uh, drop your nets and follow me, which seems to be Jesus's kind of sermon. That was his second sermon. The first sermon was repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. His second sermon was drop what you're doing and follow me. James and John's father, Zebedee, stayed in the boat. And I also think that that was his way of following. So here we have a story of someone saying, Jesus, let me come with you. And Jesus, curiously enough, says, no, go home. Go home and proclaim all of the good things that God has done to you. So he went, go home. I can't imagine what that conversation must have been like when he did go home. Can you imagine, you know, the man had demons, and we can define that in many ways. The man had demons, uh, maybe the man had a family, maybe a spouse, maybe children, we don't know. But can you imagine that first conversation when a man who's been wrestling with demons for a long time comes home, opens the door, honey, I'm home. Can you imagine that first conversation? Maybe the mistrust of his own family. Maybe, because it said that he was seized about and, and the demons would throw him about. Can you imagine maybe the fear from his kids? Go home. Go home and proclaim the good that God has done for you. And those of you who know a loved one, or maybe you yourself who have struggled with addiction, for example, this story probably sounds familiar. Because one of the things I'd like to know about this story is what happened next? What was the next chapter of the story? It's kind of like the prodigal son. I'd love to hear like the rest of the story. Uh, the prodigal son, you know, they, they killed it. We just had a whole sermon series on it. Uh, the father ran out to meet the younger brother and they killed the fatted calf and they had this great party. And I wonder what happened like the next morning when like the dad woke up the younger brother really early in the morning, probably hung over from the party. It's time to wake up. Here are your new work boots. It's time to get busy. Let's go. What was the rest of that story? I'm curious as to what is the rest of this story. Did Jesus's healing stick? Did the man go home? Did he find reconciliation? Did he find peace? How long did it take him to convince the town that he had been changed? As I mentioned, if you've struggled with addiction or you know someone who has, one of the questions you have is, how long will this last? Maybe, we don't know, maybe the man went home and then went back out into the cemetery again. And maybe he found some healing, some solace, and then went back home, and then the demons took over again, and he had to leave. I wonder what that first conversation was like when he went home. And he proclaims all the good things that God has done. And maybe his kids wonder, maybe his spouse wonders, how long will it last? That's the rub, right? Going home. Vacations are great, but then you, <laughs> but then you have to go home. 
And what is that experience like? Uh, several years ago, I had the opportunity to go to the Holy Land, uh, Jerusalem and Galilee, uh, Capernaum and, and all the cities around there. And I, and I hope one day that at Asbury, we, we can lead a, a group there because it really is, really is life-changing. Uh, you know, we saw Bethlehem where, where Jesus was born. We, we saw Nazareth. It's interesting, we didn't go into Nazareth. Uh, it was a small, know-nothing town when Jesus was there. And we had taken a tour to the Holy Land and still didn't go to Nazareth. We waved to it in the distance. Uh, maybe Philip was right. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? We just kind of waved to it on our way to Galilee. But we went to Capernaum where, where Jesus spent a lot of time. When Jesus had a roof over his head, he stayed in Capernaum. Uh, Jerusalem, walking where Jesus walked. It's just a powerful, powerful, like when, um, uh, for example, and it unlocks scriptures. And when we read scriptures, like when Jesus says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and the mountain will move. When you go to the Holy Land, you can see the mountain that Jesus is talking about, upon which there was a fortress of the government and the powers and the principalities of the time. So when Jesus says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to move. And it gives you such a great context of Jesus' life and ministry and teaching. Uh, I was nervous going, not, not for health or safety or anything like that. I was nervous because I, was, I thought I was going to go to the Sea of Galilee and it would feel like Cross Lake, right? It's just uh, feel like another body of water or Lake Pontchartrain uh, from, from down south. But it wasn't. It was incredibly powerful. But here's the catch. I had to come back home. <laughs> and when I came back home, I was telling people, oh my gosh, you have to go to the Church of the Nativity and see the traditional place where Jesus was born. Oh my gosh, you have to stand on the lakeshore where Jesus cooked fish and asked Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me three times? It's one of those experiences that words just don't reach. It's something you have to experience. So, you know, go home and proclaim all the good things that God has done. Sometimes words don't work. And our actions have to tell that story, maybe that's what his family was waiting on is actual, you, oh, God has done something great for you? Then show me. You had this profound experience in Jerusalem at the Holy Land? Then show me that you've walked where Jesus walked. Go home and proclaim all the good things that God has done for you. I wonder what those first conversations were like when they were all home together. Truth be told, uh, and I've texted some of you about this, uh, my family went on vacation this week. Uh, we went to the family condo in Pensacola, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, it was different than our normal trips because normally we go to like Peg Leg Pete's and stuff and it's great. Uh, we go to Joe Patty's and get some fish. We didn't go anywhere but the beach and the pool. Uh, and we wore our masks when we were in the elevator, all these things. Uh, it was great. Now, my aunt, it, it's her condo, and she was uh, going to come back uh, as we were leaving, but she got delayed, and she was going to be delayed for several weeks. So we had to, like, get the condo ready for no one to be there for a while, you know, clean out the refrigerator and do all this stuff. Uh, I mean, we can't bring wine home with us, so we need to make sure to empty the, the, the fridge and this kind of thing. But then, you know, the thought came through my head, well, if she's not going to be here for three weeks, then... Maybe I just might zoom this puppy in today with the, the waves in the background and, you know, we'll let you technology 
to our advantage. But we're here. You have to come home at some point. Go home. Go home and tell all of the things that God has done for you. This week, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I asked you on Facebook to complete this after I got through all of the jokes that I did on Facebook yesterday morning. You know, when you go on vacation uh, and you don't have a sermon in your head and you have to sit down on Saturday morning and write one, you tend to procrastinate for like 12 hours. So I was on Facebook with all these uh, inside jokes there. You can see them. Uh, But I did finally get my act together and do something productive. And I asked you to complete this sentence. Home is fill in the blank. How do you define home? About 100 people replied, both uh, in the church and uh, beyond, uh, out there in cyberspace. Some of the words that were tossed around were home is safety, home is family, home is sanctuary, the place where there is love, a place of acceptance. And then there were a couple of comedians out there who said uh, places where the Wi-Fi connects, (laughs) Uh, places. Uh, home is where, uh, uh, home is fourth base. You know, thank you, David Burroughs, for that one. Uh, this one I particularly liked. Home is where you don't wear a mask, both literally and figuratively. That's a good one. Home is where you don't wear a mask, both literally and figuratively. It's so interesting that we had a big discussion uh, about should we wear masks to church or not, and Maybe the truth is that we've been wearing masks for a long time when we come to church. But that's another sermon for another time. Maybe this is precisely why the man sent Jesus home. Words like safety, acceptance, love, grace. The man had demons. What does that do to your family? What does that do to your neighbor? Neighbor? Jesus sends him home so that his healing, his personal healing, might also spread to his home. Go home and proclaim all that God has done to you. Maybe that's exactly why Jesus sent him home. So that home, his home, would once again claim those words that we like to use. Or maybe the better question I should have asked on Facebook is, home should be? fill in the blank? Maybe some didn't answer because answering that question, home is, is just too difficult right now to fill in that blank. What home should be, go and proclaim all that God has done to you. I can understand why the man wanted to go with Jesus. Can't you? (laughs) The man had demons. His family had kicked him out. He was bound and shackled in the cemetery. We don't know who did that. We know that he was an outsider and was not welcome. Jesus, let me go with you. There is nothing left for me in this town. I need to go go be with you. And yet Jesus, in this prophetic love, says, no, man, go home. That is where your work begins. That is often where our work begins. Maybe home for you is a place of sanctuary, a place to get away from it all, but the definition of home is changing uh, because of COVID, because of shelter in place. It used to be a place, well, I have four kids, so there's never a place of sanctuary. 
Um, and it always freaks me out because my aunt has white marble at her condo. Unsealed white marble. In her, are you kidding me? White couches? Who has white couches? My aunt does. So all of her kids would like wrap them up in like hazmat suits as we relax in the condo. Uh, home is where our, our work begins. It used to be, uh, for many of us, a place to get away from it all where we don't have to wear masks. But now the house or the home is where everything is happening. School, work, counseling. It's all happening in the same place. So this place we call home, however it is you complete that sentence, home is fill in the blank. I think for all time, but especially now, it's a place that needs to be treated with great care, great intentionality, and above all, grace. Go home, he said, So, that's your lesson for today. Go home. Not now. We still have a couple of songs to do. But after the benediction, go home to that sacred place that you call home. And how might we proclaim what God is doing? I'll leave you you with this. Uh, This is from uh, the United Methodist Book of Worship. When we talk about weddings, there's a liturgy that we use. And I love this language uh, near the end. It says, this is a combination of, of two different prayers. May you grow in love and godliness together so that your home may be a haven of blessing and peace. Bear witness to the love of God in this world so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you generous friends. Love that language. May your home be a haven of blessing and peace. Bear witness. Go and proclaim all that God has done for you. Bear witness to love in this world so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you generous friends. Go home. Start there. And proclaim all of the good things. All of the good things that God has done for you. We all have to go home at some point. Vacation is fun. But let us bring that peace back home with us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, when Jesus goes to the other side of the lake, we hear many messages. A message that sends us out to the other. A message of no fear to bring about healing. A message that sometimes Jesus meddles with our economy, but it is a meddling for our own good. But we also hear a message of hope. A message of the difficult mission of going home and sharing peace with one another. Father, give us the courage to follow suit. Help us to follow Christ just where we are. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.